Okay, we're recording. Uh, okay, let's do a funny one this time. <laughs> oh, good. Don't try and force it. No. <laughs> we've had five minutes of pleasant chat. Now let's try and desperately force some fun. Yeah, well, let's think of something funny. What could be funny? Um, audience feedback. Oh, yes. Go on, then. <laughs> what would you like to say and who would you like to say it to? Oh, twat face, whatever his name is. <laughs> he thinks his opinion is Dave. Almost Dave, who who says, "Wow, these guys are so unfunny." Prove, Not proving him wrong, you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything. And uh, who comes to our defence? Tupo. Tupo. Thanks, Tupo. Which I suspect is a type. I think it's a typo for typo. And that's ironic. Yeah. Um, he says humour is or she humour humour is a matter humor. of opinion. But personally, I find this hilarious, and I literally laugh out loud every week. Take that. Dave, <laughs> you, you take the constructive feedback so well. I I haven't got a problem with criticism. I don't. I don't until, think that's true. Well, I do in this case because he's getting something for free, and they, he doesn't have to listen. Nobody's forcing Dave to listen. Hello, to my newest patron, by the way, Dave. Good to have you on board. Who <laughs> <laughs> hates it so much? He's decided to wade through it just to get as angry as he can and really build up that rage. <laughs> Uh, right, now you've got that off your chest, should we do a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom can't wait to get something off his chest and Sam, who can't really be asked to stop him, <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> week already, discuss history stories on a theme. We decide the theme a week or two in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And what is the theme this week, Tom, apart from uh, apart from ra- ranting at internet strangers Dave hello my name's Dave and my opinion is so important that I think everyone should hear it we could just turn off the comments feature would that make you feel better no I like because we get 95% no 65 no 20% of the comments are nice (laughs) okay so so I like listening to I like reading the nice comments it's just the occasional person who's a bit of a gobshite have we not had any other audience feedback? Oh, we had a guy on Facebook a moment ago, didn't we? Yeah, it's not long ago, who sent us a book recommendation. Hang on. Have we had? We've had one of our um, one of our lovely regulars. She was um, sending us lots of cartoons, wasn't yes, she? Yes, hang on. I need to bring it up because we started this earlier than I was planning to. <laughs> Feed it back to you like a mother bird, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, Martin, Martin. Martin Watts, who's... Uh, oh, give his surname out. He might be famous. The Martin Watts? Martin Watts? Yeah, Martin. So yeah, he yeah, that was nice. He's been going through our black back catalogue. People do that a lot, don't they? That's impressive because there are seventy-five episodes, seventy hours of which is pretty decent, and you probably want to listen to. Well, yeah, five hours is is us flipping things. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I just thought? Seventy-four, three full days it would take you to get from the start to the end of this podcast. It would feel like a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be an effort, wouldn't it? That would really be an effort. Um, and it was Christina who was sending us lots of other recommendations. Yes, who was sending us lots of um, So lots thank of you, thank you, Martin. That's nice to hear from people. I'm glad to hear you enjoying it. And Christina, yeah, always nice to hear from Martin. Yes, and Stephanie uh, messaged us as well. Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah, another one of our regular. Yes, yeah. Recommending a book called Zeus Grant's Stupid Wishes, a suitably uh, rude version of Greek mythology, which I think I'm going to have to check out. And it did look rather rude. It did, yeah. I looked at some of the previews online and it did look rather rude which is right up our street anyway um it is bands this week isn't it bands it is bands yes i like this one did you You go many different ways and what did you where did you go i went for a band 
<laughs> oh, did you? You've actually gone for a musical band. I have, yeah. That's radical. I know. I went for a merry band of men. A band of merry men, if you will. Robin Hood's band of merry men. That's where I went. Oh, I was going to guess the village people. <laughs> they appear, they come up quite a lot in this podcast. <laughs> the village do. people. <laughs> so, yeah, certainly recently. We'll have to get them on. We'll have to get them on at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an audio <laughs> treat that would be. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I drew them, didn't I? Um, a, a week ago. You did. They even turned up in our patron exclusive cartoons. They did indeed. Yes. Got lovely moustaches, haven't they? They do have some outstanding moustaches. They do. Oh, uh, yes, almost a beard, you could say. It's like it's like a beard on the top lip, isn't it? Sorry, right, I was I was making a joke. But don't worry, move on. <laughs> what was the joke? Explain it to me. So, beard is having a girlfriend. And pretending to be straight when uh, when you're not. Oh, how? how and the village do you people, know? as far as I know, only one of them was, was gay. gay. Yeah, yeah. There how you do go. you know? How do you know all of these LGBT terms? Uh, how do we get on to that? No, I just I have a lot of gay friends. Bands. Yes, bands. And you're doing Robin Hood's Band of Merry Men. Yeah, I've got a lot here. I'm Tommy. Three pages this week. Oh, bloody hell! Creeping onto my third page. Don't worry, audience, it'll be down to one and a half by the time I finish with the edit. Oh, but I've got two cracking facts as well, Sam. I'm not going to give them to you yet. They're just going to appear when I do my piece. But, oh, I've got two cracking facts. (laughs) There are more facts, obviously, than just two, but there are two cracking facts. Five of them are shit. (laughs) Most of them are just To redeem the rest of the story. But two two are crackers. They're right up there. They're top tenners. Fair enough. Well, I mean, you're selling it quite hard. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I'm going to yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. I didn't actually know that much about the history of Robin Hood, I'll be honest, before researching this week's episode. Do you know much about it? No. Good. Excellent. No, I've I've seen I I yeah, I've read the the great epics, Men in Tights. Yeah. Prince of Thieves. Oh, Prince of Thieves. Well, talking of Prince and Thieves, that's one of the ones that I'd watched, so I've definitely watched Kevin Costner. Um I've also watched the Russell Crowe attempt at Robin Hood. Oh, yes. At a British accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good day. I'm uh, and of course, Robin Hood. <laughs> Robin Hood. I'm from around uh, about Sheffield Way. Sheffield Way. I'm, I'm you from... You can probably tell because I sound an awful lot like Sean Bean. I'm from Willabongalong, just north of Sheffield. Yep. Um, yeah, so there's the Russell Crowe Robin Hood. The Sheriff of Not A Lot Of Ham. <laughs> and I'd, uh, I'd watch the Disney as well, the Disney film. And of course, May Marion's Merry Men. Absolutely, I was going to move on to that one. That is a cult classic children's TV programme. And I'd like to point out that it was a children's TV programme has aged better than a hell of a lot of comedies. Oh, yeah, it's still good. It is still very, very good. I was watching... It's still really good. I was watching Robin in his white Elvis outfit singing a song this morning <laughs> <laughs> with Maid Marian telling him he's going to get it very, very dirty. For those who don't know... Because we have, a, which is everyone. <laughs> it, it was. It's very Blackadder, isn't it? Made Marion and his Merry Men. Very Blackadder. It's the children's version of Blackadder. Yeah. In fact, it stars Baldrick as uh, Tony Robinson is Robin Hood. I think. No, Tony Robinson is the. No, no, he's the sheriff of Nottingham. That's right. That's right. Robin Hood is played. Yes. Robin Robin Hood is very stupid and, and vain, and is played by a a guy who's I don't think he's done much since, but he plays the role really really well. And then Made Marion is the brains behind the Merry Men. So there's that little twist. And it's got Danny John Jules 
of it does. cat fame. Of cat and red dwarf fame, yeah, yes. Absolutely. So really, really, really good. Historically, so in these films, Robin Hood comes from the time of the Third Crusade when Richard I, the Lionheart, was on crusade in the Holy Land, pitted against Saladin. Meanwhile, John, Richard's brother and later king, is portrayed as the disloyal, plotting and usurping turd of a brother. <laughs> That's the basic theme, isn't it? It is, yeah. In, in the modern variations. Now, these opposing portrayals of the brothers, Richard as brave and honourable, John as conniving and treacherous, is ridiculously simplistic and unhistorical. And um, so much so that I'd like to take just a moment to tear down this image of Richard in a shorter side, which is nice as well because it shows to our Scottish listeners that it's not just William Wallace who I like, who I like to dethrone. I'm now going to take down <laughs> Richard the Lionheart as well. Is there a national treasure that you won't defile? <laughs> yeah. Neither, no, William Wallace isn't a national hero, nor is... <laughs> I forgot the guy's name. <laughs> the Australian Richard actor. Richard the Lionheart. No, the Australian oh, actor. Russell Crowe. Russell... No. no, no, no. Sorry, I'm being. A, um, What's his name? Mel, Mel Gibson. Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Something about Australian actors coming over here, beating up our hotel clerks. Yes. Being our anti-Semites. Stealing all of our <laughs> heroes. Yeah. Putting them on pedestals from which the reality can't possibly reflect their true nature. <laughs> Wankers. That's... Yes. Yeah, so let's let's talk about Richard then. Richard the first. His father was King Henry. We need to talk about Dick. <laughs> okay, okay. This sounds like one of those birds and the bees Episode moments. titles. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to talk a little bit about Dick. Tom, you can't talk about Robin Hood and Maid Marian without talking about Dick first. Well, well, we're going to park that thought because we're going to come back to Maid Marian and her Dick. No, and her her love of Dick. Maybe. Just, Ooh. just hold that thought. <laughs> That's page three of my notes. Um, his oh. so back to Henry the <laughs> Second. Now he's saying page three. I've got an image of Maid Marian wearing wearing nothing on her top half, showing a bit of ankle, showing a bit of ankle with yes. muddy muddy tits, <laughs> with a speech bubble coming out of her saying, "Ooh, that John," <laughs> and the inside cover of the Sun. <laughs> Where was I in 1170? King Henry the Second made plans to divide his kingdom, and it's worth noting at this time it included not only England but around half of modern-day France. In reality, Mm. it was more complex than this. It wasn't just a case of this is ours and that is yours. That's a modern concept of nation-states, which is very, very, very different to what was the reality back in the 12th century. His three eldest sons that were still alive were given three parts of the kingdom. (laughs) It's a cheerful aside. I know, isn't it? Yeah. The future Richard I was given Aquitaine, and he paid homage to the King of France, just to confuse things even more. And Aquitaine was a big area of France in the west, isn't it? Yes. King Henry II would remain in overall charge, but his three eldest sons, including Richard, would have substantial roles and independence. However, the stroppy sons, the three of them, soon threw gigantic wobblies because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. So they threw their toys out of the prams by waging war on their father. Daddy, Daddy, I want to be completely in charge. Why can't I have a kingdom, Daddy? You've got one. Why can't I? I want to make all the decisions. I want to tax everyone lots and lots and lots. <laughs> so the three little toe rags ran off to the King of France and revolted against their father. Long story short, Henry II quelled this revolt very successfully, secured a favourable peace treaty with the King of France and accepted apologies from his three sons. Sorry, Daddy, but you must admit, it was fun leading lots of people needlessly to their death, wasn't it? Ha ha! I'll get you next time, old man! (laughs) 
Come on, round two. I'll see you outside. Oh, Richard, you little. Why, <laughs> I oughta. <laughs> Try and invade my kingdom. <laughs> Throughout all of this, John, who was only a tiddler, who was only a little boy, stayed in the UK watching Paw Patrol. The idea. <laughs> God, I'm glad you finished that with. Whoop patrol <laughs> as opposed to watching porn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Made Marion on page three of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> this new, this made Marion tart. Made Marion and six merry men. <laughs> uh, six merry men and lovely jubblies. The idea that Richard was a true English patriot <laughs> is nonsense. So not only is he very, very disloyal, unlike um, how he's portrayed in the films, but he was not an English patriot. He was born in England, but he certainly wasn't a football-loving, carling-drinking, NHS-clapping, fish-and-chips-eating, butlins-holidaying Anglo-Saxon. He was from the House of Plantagenet, descended from William the Conqueror, and he spent most of his life in France or looking for a fight on crusade. In fact, he may have spent as little as a month... Well, I think I've read six months. may have spent as little as six months in England during his, lo- his reign as king. Barely a patriot and definitely not loyal. Bit of an absentee dad. Yes, 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 yes. So a bit unfair to criticise John, although I think uh, John has become one of our less successful kings because it was during the reign of John that Magna Carta was signed by the barons who were upset with how John was leading the country, if I remember my English history correctly. Anyway, Robin Hood and derivatives like Robert Wood, for example, were very common names during the Middle Ages. So passing references to criminals called Robin Hood in medieval documents are relatively common. And I think it's fair to say that it's very difficult to convincingly and credibly pinpoint who Robin Hood was or who exactly the legend is based on, although many have tried. I think another interesting thing I came across as well is Robin Hood was quite early on uh, a very popular figure in um, storytelling. And so a lot of criminals would adopt his name Mm. just because it was cool. And likewise with some of the other members of his band of merry men. The oldest reference to the tales of Robin Hood's comes from the poem Piers Plowman by William Langland in around 1380. It comes from Piers Morgan. <laughs> I thought the same thing. The poem sends an angry tweet about Piers it. Piers Morgan by William Langland. It goes a little something like this. Twat cunt. Arsehole. Twat cunt cunt. There once was a grumpy gammon. <laughs> who made quite a lot of cash by hacking the phones of murder victims. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) There was a wonderful Stephen Fry moment, wasn't there? It may have been just a minute, and it was a round where people had to, the contestants had to suggest a new definition of a well-known word. (laughs) It was the word countryside, uh, the killing of Piers Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) That was the one. (laughs) Beautiful. It's, it's, It's a cracker. It's a cracker. Well, well done, Mr. Fry. Very well done. The oldest references to the tales of Robin Hood then come from, as I mentioned, Piers Plowman, a poem by William Langland. That's 1380. In this poem, stories of Robin Hood are referenced rather than the man himself, suggesting that there is already a tradition of stories about a chap called Robin Hood. This is around 200 years after Richard I and his two older elder sons being their shitheads against their dad. And the first ballads of Robin Hood rather than passing references, come from around 1450 to 1500. And there's a few of them. In the jest of Robin Hood, Hood, the jest of Robin Hood, we already have the familiar band members of Little John and Will Scarlet, but also the less well-known Much the Miller's Son, who's still reasonably well-known. 
Uh, this story involves the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood is most definitely an outlaw who likes pinching things and then giving them away in a rather charming and handsome way. <laughs> in Robin Hood and the Monk, which is another one of the early ones, we have Little John and Much the Miller's Son again, along with many unnamed members of the Band of Outlaws. And incidentally, this source has the oldest reference to Robin Hood's Merry Men. So that's where the, the oldest reference yeah. to the Merry Men. So it's, it's very, very old. Of these earliest Merry Men, Little John is probably the most famous. <laughs> the prostitute hiring midget. <laughs> sorry, little person. It, it's not, it's not, um, sorry, I made a mistake earlier on in the podcast. It's not little John who has a fling with Babe Marion. It's Friar Tuck, believe it or not. Whoa, 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 we're whoa, gonna come whoa. On to that. Spoiler. Sorry. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. Well, she's a prostitute. <laughs> there was, she'd been spoiled a long time ago. Yes, so little John is probably the most famous. How he became included in the band is not told in the early sources, but he is a loyal and smart companion of Robin Hood. In later ballads, so we're talking 17th century, the story is told of how Little John joined Robin Hood after a quarterstaff's fight on a bridge, a la yes. Kevin Costner. So that bit is, yes. um, is, is, from, is in the film, Prince Well of done, Kevin. One point for historical accuracy. <laughs> to you. Excellent, well done. As with Robin Hood... It is nigh and impossible to find convincing evidence that Little John actually existed, or if he did, that we know who exactly he was. Just search for the smallest John. <laughs> it's not that hard. Look through the records for someone with a really small handwriting and the name yep. John, because we all know little people have little handwriting. Yeah, absolutely. And they used to list their occupation, so just look for borrower. I suppose that's quite <laughs> How good. How hard could it be? That's a nice pun, because they were stealing things. <laughs> Borrow from the good... <laughs> Borrow from the good. Yeah, borrow from the bad and give to the, and give shit. To the good, yeah. Yeah, so obviously John Little's a very common name, so it's difficult to find him in records. There are lots of local legends about Little John around the UK. He's apparently buried in Derbyshire. You can view his grave. We quite frequently walk past the grave of, uh, of Little John. Get out of here. On our Peak District hikes, yeah. Get out. Is it a nice grave? Uh, it's not a particularly... How long is it? Kind of... <laughs> How long is it? He's <laughs> buried in a tuck position. And it's seven yeah, foot he, long. Yeah, unfortunately, he was, sta- he was standing upright. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we walk to the church is really quite foreboding. When you're walking up to it, it feels like you're walking into medieval times because you go up this muddy track <laughs> up through a field full of cows and it's there's always crows and it's always dark. Hey, pecking at Brian Blessed's corpse. Is that how Prince of Thieves we're getting here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that how foreboding it is? It really is. Has it got Alan Rickman taking people's eyes out with a rusty spoon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was that supposed to be Alan Rickman? Oh, God, no. That's, that's getting edited out. <laughs> Something like Mr Burns. Smithers. <laughs> Alan Rickman <laughs> just speaks exceptionally slowly, doesn't he? Harry. He does. Potter. Mr. Hood. <laughs> uh, well, have you seen the cottage? Apparently there's a cottage also in Derbyshire where he lived. I, I don't know the cottage, know the cottage. no. Uh, apparently he was hung in Dublin as well. Again, nonsense. <laughs> he was hung in Dublin, but it was cold <laughs> in Scarborough. So it was, wasn't much of a shower. <laughs> I don't get it. An erection joke, Thomas. <laughs> Oh, Sam, you're so rude, aren't you? Seems weird that he was hung in Dublin and buried in Derbyshire, doesn't it? It doesn't really add up either. Yes, what did he do What did he do to offend the Irish? <laughs> they took him all the way back to Dublin and hung him. They said, how are you going to have him back? 
Anyway, of more, <laughs> we're done. We're done with yeah, it. Of more historical value, Little John is mentioned alongside Robin Hood in two of the earliest references to the legging-wearing arrow-pinging legend. That is the Origenial Cronkiel of Scotland, written by Andrew of Winton, and the Scotchy Chronicon of Walter Bower, also <laughs> Scottish. The Scotchy Chronicon. The Scotchy Chronicon and the Origenial Chronicle. <laughs> Sounds like a nice wow. Northern Irish Scottish blur wasn't it that was yeah which leads us nicely on to some interesting facts for you sam oh go on are these the crackers i'm good oh, this is very good you are gonna like this sam how many official languages of scotland are there and what are they official languages of scotland yeah, official languages of scotland oh i'm gonna say three okay and what are they english gallic mm-hmm. oh is there one beginning with k which is spoken in some of the Shetland Kenyan. Well done, Sam. Okay, yes. <laughs> it's Scots. So you're right. It's Gaelic, English and Scots. Ah. The Chronicle of Andrew Winton is written in Scots. I was, thinking, I, do, I was thinking Cranky, as in Jeanette Cranky. <laughs> yeah. um, no, the, the, so 30% of Scotland still speak Scots, and whereas only 1% speak Gaelic. And there are also a number of speakers in Ulster as a result of the plantation of Ulster in the 17th century, where Scots and Northern English people were moved to Ulster to work the land. Um, hence the Northern Irish Scottish blur that I cleverly that mess. put in. <laughs> <laughs> Quite confusing, I know, but I think it evolved out of Middle English, so it's possible for you and I to read it. We could read the Scots and probably understand the majority of it, but it is it's different enough to be distinguished as its own language. That was interesting, I thought. That was a cracking fact. Thank you. Cracking fact of the day. Can you put in like a cheesy, corny sound effect there, please, to make it sound like a shit radio station? Yes, always. Art FM. The greatest facts of the era. Yeah. Carry on. (laughs) According to an early ballad, Will Scarlet another of the very early merry men apparently joined Robin Hood and Little John when he encountered Robin Hood when out hunting deer illegally. The two fight, but midway through the battle it was revealed that Will Scarlet is seeking Robin Hood because he has been kicked out of his home for killing his father's steward, the silly Billy. Oh, whoops. Oh. Butterfingers. As with both Little John and Robin Hood, there are historically dubious references to Will Scarlet as well. Namely, his grave is apparently in Nottinghamshire. Much less is known about much of the miller's son, despite him appearing in the early ballads. We know pretty much nothing other than the fact that he murdered a page boy. <laughs> Silly why Billy. They, why are they all murdering servants? They don't because sound this is the like, Middle Ages. They don't sound like proto-anarchists giving to the poor and taking from the rich. <laughs> they sound like they're murdering the poor. Proto-anarchists haven't quite worked out that if they bring that pan to their head really hard, it makes a weird crashing sound. And if they take their flippers and put them on their feet and wear them with a suit and walk down the high street, that is complete anarchy. So what, you, what you're talking about there, Tom, is proto-nutcases. <laughs> subtly, subtly different. <laughs> to the proto-anarchists. There are two other very famous members of the Band of Merry Men that need discussing here. They really do. Fry Tuck and Maid Marian. Now, we've mentioned them already. The two are later oh, did. You just did. And I've done it again. Ah. I just keep mentioning them. <laughs> Can't stop when you start thinking ah, about it. The two are later additions to the stories of Robin Hood from May Games festivities. The May Games turned Robin Hood from a hero only sung in ballads to a star of festivities and performances alongside the adopted characters of Friar Tuck and Maid Marian. 
The May Games, incidentally, were celebrations usually in May, as the name would suggest, welcoming the summer, and their origins are as old as time. And Robin Hood becomes a key figure in these plays at around the time of the first recorded ballad, so we're talking end of the 15th century again. And he was often one of the characters, so someone in the village would dress up as Robin Hood and be paraded through town as part of these May Games, May festivities. Huh. Uh, this is full of... I fucking researched the shit out of it this you week. You clearly so. did. Wow, I'm sounding clever. Maid Marion was adopted probably from a French story of a shepherdess Marion who dilly-dallies with a shepherd called Robin. Oh, yeah, and there is also a theory that Maid Marian was a prostitute. The following quote comes from a story dating from the mid-16th century and is probably in some Middle English or whatever, so it's a little bit difficult to understand, but I think you'll get the crux of it. She is a troll of trust. To Saru a friar ret his lust. A pricker, a prancer, a terror of sheets, a wagger of ballocks. <laughs> when other men Hang on, sleeps. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What does she do with the with those ballocks? She waggers them. She's a wagger of ballocks. Oh. And a terror of sheets. <laughs> a, pr- a pricker, a prouncer. And that is as rude as it sounds. That is alluding to the fact that she's a hooker. Another interesting fact, a trull, T-R-U-L, is an archaic word for hooker. Hmm. So next time you want to insult someone but you don't want them to know what you're saying, call them a trull. Yes, and... <laughs> trull. And if you want to find one... You wagger of ballocks. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to find one, look under a bridge. <laughs> that reminds me of of, uh, of my stag do in New Zealand, where we were, where we were wandering from a I bar into the centre of town. <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> well, we were wandering from a bar. This is, New Z- this is Christchurch after the earthquakes, incidentally, so there weren't many bars around. Nightlife was hardly banging. But we went from a bar through Christchurch, over the River Avon, which is in Christchurch, a rather rancid-looking older lady lifted up her skirt and showed us all her, um, uh, well, I don't know anything to... I'd, her trowel. <laughs> her trowel hole. And she was sort of saying, come and get it here, lads. Anyway, one of my mates shouted out, there's a troll under the bridge, which I thought was hilarious. Because <laughs> she was on a bridge. Yeah. There you go. So that was a, a prostitute who was also a trod on a bridge. There you go. However, let's go back to Maid Marian. She soon becomes a noble lady in all these stories. And interestingly, and this is another cracking smart-ass fact for listeners to pocket. Boom. Put this in your pocket, listeners, in, and, and keep it until you watch another Robin Hood movie with your mates. And then just at the right moment, pause the film and come out with this one. Friars didn't exist in England at the time of Richard I. What? Get out of here! Boom! What? The first friars were Franciscan and arrived in 1224. Richard I died in 1199. So are you telling me, Tom? Are you... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. No, 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 there's no limit. But it... Take that fact and shove it up your nostrils. Tom, are you telling me that Robin Hood is a story about time travel? <laughs> he, had a, he had a time turner like Hermione Granger. Yes, the time-travelling time friar. God, this adds layers. The time-travelling friar sounds like the name of this episode. <laughs> I want... The Time Travelling Friar really? to be the name of this episode. Not we need to talk about Dick. <laughs> or, or a wagger of ballocks. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Time Travelling Friar. That is brilliant. 
Uh, that sounds a bit steampunk, a bit medieval. Or, or just an excellent an excellent kebab van. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> the low calorie the low calorie version is the time travelling George Foreman green <laughs> grilling machine. I found my wife refused prior to last week's recording, my wife refused to let me get on my bicycle and cycle down to the local motorway that I'd <laughs> that I and had throw your George Foreman grill off a bridge. No, no, no. I like this bridge so much I put my name on it. No, <laughs> <laughs> we cross- I went for a walk with the boys we crossed the bridge and it's a bridge where we wave at lorries and the lorries all honk their horn and my, bro- my boys think it's brilliant and I looked over the side of the bridge and there was a George Foreman that had obviously come off the back of a lorry and was sitting in the middle of the motorway I wanted to go and get that George Foreman my wife wouldn't let me something about traffic and getting run over and it's probably someone else's oh god I don't know well I mean it's definitely someone else's there isn't a George Foreman grill delivering fairy what ants? <laughs> yeah, the, we'll get there. The colonies, <laughs> on, the colonies saved for years for that. <laughs> a lean, mean aphid grilling machine. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Tom. That's a that's a, a story of love lost. Is a dis- I could have been eating sausages the whole of last week. You could, have been. but health in a healthy manner, because all the fat dribbles off, so you can eat twice as many. Yep, fact. Um, Fact of the day. That's another fact. That's another. You can shove that up the other nostril. I can't breathe, Tom. <laughs> I've you got, I've I've got, got restricted airways from the facts. I'm about to shove Alan Adele in your mouth. Oh, God. Yeah. So there are a number of <laughs> I'm Mary sure men. I like that. <laughs> named once or twice. Alan Adele, the minstrel. Oh, I'd quite like a minstrel in my mouth. Mm. They're nice, aren't they? Minstrel, by the way, for our American audience, is a chocolate. Tom is not suggesting he would like a 500-year-old lutist. I'll be the horn section for you tonight, <laughs> Alan Adele. Yeah. I think minstrels, I think they get minstrels in the US, don't they? They're like a, cho- they're like a giant chocolatey M&M. <laughs> a giant chocolatey M&M. <laughs> a giant chocolatey M&M. <laughs> That was beautiful. Thanks. That was a forced. <laughs> if you only knew how much pleasure that took, uh, that, that that gave me, Sam, not took out of me, how much pleasure that gave me. I really enjoyed that. I think it's it's a mere fraction of what it gave me. <laughs> well, yeah, that says a lot about our respective senses of humour. Uh, just like just like my stupid introductions, Alan Adale, the minstrel, is probably the only one worth mentioning. <laughs> As opposed to Big, Don't big, do it again. big Bill the Revel. <laughs> That's Robin Hood, Revel without a cause. <laughs> oh, Little John, the smarty only has the answer. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, he should really be called Fun Size John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a whole new twist. On a, on a rather cliche theme, isn't it, Robin Hood? Yeah. This could be how we reboot Robin Hood. Yes. <laughs> Rob's from the rich to give a delicious cream filling to the poor, yeah. Oh, hang on. No, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Alan Adele makes a good number of appearances and has become a frequent character in, in Robin Hood stories since. The best example of this character, in my opinion, is the narrator of the Disney Robin Hood films. Oodlally, oodlally, golly, what a day, the enormous yes. cock. <laughs> he was actually a rooster. He was, um, yeah, he was a massive rooster, yeah. 
And that is historically inaccurate from what we know. He wasn't a rooster in the original story. No, he might have been a giant snail if uh, medieval chroniclers <laughs> doodles are to be believed. <laughs> or a kidnapping hare. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant now, 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 if you were kidnapped by a giant rabbit or had to fight a snail, then then you'd have an excuse to sing oodle-lally, oodle-lally, golly, what a day. Yeah. It's very Beatrix Potter now you think about it, isn't it? It is. Peter Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> dragging drunken monks down holes whether yeah, <laughs> beside giant that's letters. how they got there <laughs> the last character I'll mention then is the Moor or the Saracen most famously I would suggest played by Morgan Friedman in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves since this uh, there have been similar characters in, in a number of films and this has no historical precedent beyond uh, the last 30 years so there you go that's my Robin Hood my delve into Robin Hood did you find it interesting I did find it interesting I did I thought that was very interesting I did enjoy uh, researching that and now I'm hungry as well now I need some chocolate you need some minstrels (laughs) you need some Alan (laughs) (laughs) they do packets they call vice versa where you get um, (laughs) you get white minstrels and black minstrels which is just the most racist chocolate (laughs) It's not just because something happens to be the same colour as an African skin doesn't make it racist, Sam. No, but black and white minstrels is definitely racist. Oh, no, that is. No, that is. Okay, no, I'll take that back. No, I I see what you did there, and I I would like to retract my previous statement. (laughs) That was very interesting, Tom. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Good. Was was it a tasty topic? It was a tasty, tasty topic. (laughs) Did he steal from the rich and give to the poor? Was there any actual truth behind the original legend? Or was yes, it just... I, think, I think from quite early on, he is stealing from people and giving to other people. But not so much from the rich to the poor. He's just kind of thieving things in a, he just in a sort of for charming fun. ruffian way. <laughs> oh, he's just pinching stuff off people from the, when they're on the highways. And sort of giving things away because he doesn't care. Because he's like a handsome... Dash. Well, actually what he's doing is he's stealing money from people on the highways and then spending it at the pub and in that way giving it back to the poor well yeah what he's doing is spending the money <laughs> that he's stolen he's giving it back to the economy but yeah so it's the same as millionaires nowadays who you know earn just excessive amounts of money and don't pay their taxes what they are doing is they're spending it on yachts yes they're giving it back helping... to the poor yacht manufacturers of the world exactly yes exactly and um, we should all be grateful for that and we actually, should. I don't know. I don't know what we're all talking about when we insist that they should pay their taxes in the countries that they reside. I'll pay. I'll pay their share, Sam. I'm happy to pay Richard Branson's share. It's the least you can do, really, isn't it? <laughs> Fellas, I don't know. I don't know if Richard Branson is particularly bad. He literally owns a Virgin Island. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's pretty cushy, though, isn't it? What owning an island? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, great. <laughs> Does not... Elton John own one in Scotland? I mean, you can own a fairly small Scottish island, I think. Yeah. There are some pretty small Scottish islands. We're trying to work a little island song into a, 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 an Elton John song. Oh, God. Um, <coughs> Archipelago Rock. Um, Don't let the sun go down on my little island in Scotland. I guess that's why they call it Mull. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that one. <laughs> Hebrides seems to be the hardest word. <laughs> <laughs> Benny in the jet stream blows over the top of my small <laughs> Scottish island. <laughs> uh, the bitch is flat. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I think we've 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 tried the hardest. Well, so I'm in the vein of uh, what's just come before, which will now be heavily edited for the last three minutes of that segment. Fifty-three yeah. minutes worth as well. Well, I'm not editing all fifty-three minutes down. Just the uh, Elton John Island segue towards the end might be might be slightly shorter. Than <laughs> well, likewise, Tom, I've got something not especially funny for you today. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> because I've got a concentration camp story. Hey! So everyone, pay attention. Yes, which means I do have to be a little bit careful about the uh, the jokes that I make. But it is an incredible story and a really interesting snapshot of of life in in Nazi Germany. If you happened to be a, a, a Jewish trumpeter. <laughs> mm. And I'm still going to try and make it fun with some German accents because that's always a safe fallback, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Guten Tag. That's so, good. <laughs> super good. That's a niche niche. So today, Tom, I'm going to talk to you about the incredible story of Eric Vogel and the Ghetto Swingers, who were wow. the bizarre troop of Jewish hostages forced to play for the SS to show the outside world that concentration camps were more like holiday camps. Wow, it's it's he was um I remember some of the band members. There was there was old Gary Hovis, wasn't there? And Billy Warburton's. Hang on, where are you, where are you going with Eric Vogel? Or did you think I Have you Oh, they don't have Vogels here, do you? Vogels is a New Zealand brand of whole grain bread. Oh, is it? Yeah, sorry. That oh, didn't work. Okay, no, no. Now that we know that, now that we have the essential information, we can go <laughs> we away can with this connection. We can yes. make the connection and we can carry on with this spontaneous and fun segue. Johnny Baps on guitar. Um, <laughs> Stephen Bagel on the drums. Ben Baguette. Yeah. Donnie Flat. Playing the baboon. <laughs> Play, playing the baboon? Yeah. Playing the baboon, the, ja- He's the jazz monkey, his chest. the jazz monkey, <laughs> playing the baboon, <laughs> and now on the baboon, the baboon solo, beautiful. Obviously, I meant bassoon. Of course, of course, you did. But baboon came out. Who the fuck learns jazz bassoon? I'm fairly sure someone I knew in Christchurch played the bassoon. In a jazz styling? (laughs) No, he just played it. And because he was one of the only people in New Zealand who played the bassoon, he got invited to all sorts of gigs. All sorts of parties. Yeah. Well, there we go. It's nice to have a a niche. A niche. (laughs) Oh, God, sorry. (laughs) That's fine. Alan Shearbatter on the flute. Now... (laughs) Jazz in Nazi Germany had a uh, was in a bit of an odd position, Tom. Officially, it was known, obviously uh, very derogatorily, as jungle music, a racist term to dismiss it as something only uncivilised black people and Jews would play. In fact, jazz was officially banned by the Nazis. On the other hand, everyone bloody loved jazz. The Germans were obsessed with it. And the SS were quite happy to force anyone who could play a note into camp bands to entertain them at birthday parties and official functions. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, so they would... So they've got malnourished prisoners awaiting their death playing jazz music at their yeah. weddings, still in their striped pyjamas. Fuck yeah. me. Well, actually, no, they had, uh, they, had little, they had uniforms made for them. Oh, fuck. There are, there are quite a few photos of concentration camp jazz bands playing in... Uh... Oh, good Lord. 
not very pleasant. Um, but anyway, that was the situation that was. You had music that was officially banned, but the SS were forcing people to play. So, to Eric Vogel, and credit where it's due, there are a few articles on him and, uh, and on the Ghetto Swingers, but one that particularly inspired me is by Amanda um, Petrusic, I think it's pronounced, Petrusic, in the New Yorker a year or so ago. So not really a, a historical source as such, but a really nice article that, that sums him up quite nicely. So Vogel was a, a Czech citizen, or Czechoslovakian as it was then, born in 1898 and was a keen trumpeter. He farted day and night, Tom. <laughs> crowing, with, crowing with the roosters, tooting with the owls. <laughs> So in March 1939, Hitler marched into Prague and Vogel got a knock on the door from a Gestapo officer, uh, which was very odd, considering the two men actually knew each other from jazz jam sessions around the city. <laughs> oh, hello. Ah, guten tag. This is uh, slightly awkward, but... <laughs> you'll see I am to the... lead you to a death, but ah, uh, you know, you know how it is. Uh... Yes, sometimes the music has to stop and... Uh... Well, you know, you might be lucky. You know, my daughter is having a birthday party in three months' time. We might get you along to play at her birthday party. You won't have much energy because you'll be very malnourished by this point. When I said I was going to be careful about the jokes that I make, what I meant was jokes about malnutrition. <laughs> Pretty soon, Vogel found that his trumpet was confiscated. Though not... Oh, now, that the, now that the Nazis are in town, I really want to make lots of noise and draw yes. attention to myself. <laughs> yes. I was planning on doing some late-night practice. Yes, now would be an excellent time to very loudly play my trumpet. <laughs> Every time a German officer trips on the cobbles outside from the attic comes the... Brah, 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 brah. <laughs> <laughs> Sherrick, shh. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, we get it, but... <laughs> yeah. Shh, the Gestapo are coming up the stairs. <laughs> Who was it? Now, there was a bit of a viral YouTube clip, wasn't there? Where a guy goes around behind sort of far-right <laughs> yes. activists. Playing this one back. It's really comical music. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I think he's got a bassoon, hasn't he? He's got one of those great big ones that comes up over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, the French horn. Oh, beg my pardon. <laughs> oh, Kenneth <laughs> Williams. <laughs> So, so yes, pretty soon his trumpet was confiscated, much to the relief of his family, I suspect. <laughs> Though not before he sabotaged it by uh, pouring acid through it so it couldn't be handed over to a German military band. Although some would argue, Tom, that simply trying to play a trumpet can be sabotage enough. <laughs> Actually, because he knew this Gestapo officer from, from jazz, actually he had a reasonably good deal in Prague and pretty quickly he got given a job with the Jewish Council of Prague which was paid for by the Nazis teaching jazz and building a jazz band something which was actually illegal to do under Nazi occupation but that he was being paid by the Nazis to do hey ho again hypocrisy quite <laughs> yes. low quite low on their level, on their list of crimes <laughs> yeah. anyway he got a bit right, of a I think at these Nuremberg trials which are about to start we will begin with these Accusations of hypocrisy and of not washing up the dishes. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Himmler, on April 6, 1944, <laughs> you are accused of not bringing the bins back in after the bin men had been. 
What? How do you play? <laughs> I will do it tomorrow. <laughs> it's what he says every week. I was, I was watching Netflix. <laughs> I was very tired. I forgot it was recycling day, not black bin day. <laughs> so pretty quickly, Vogel got a bit of a reputation. And in March 1942, when deportation started and he was put on a train, or transport started, sorry, he found himself in a camp known as, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong despite being part German, Theresienstadt. Theresienstadt in Bohemia, Moravia in the modern Czech Republic. And I've written it again. Verensienstadt was a very odd place, Tom. It was built as a model camp to show the International Committee of the Red Cross to prove that Jewish people were being treated perfectly well by the Nazis. Oh, 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 oh. And here is the tiny house, and if you kneel down and look through the window, you can see tiny, tiny chairs with little buns on them. And look, in the main square, one of the officer's trousers has fallen down, and you can see his leather panties. <laughs> this model camp really is a marvel, all hand-painted by Klaus over here, and a perfect replica, only four inches high. How could anybody be sad looking at this model <laughs> camp? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 here comes the chain. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sir, it's a Santa Claus in it. It is very good. <laughs> I like the idea that this concept of taking an ethnic group and forcing them to live somewhere <laughs> can, be, can be shown to the Red Cross as being, no, no, that's fine. No, we're, we're sending them to a lovely camp. So no, no, the whole concept is wrong. Prague is shit. They need a holiday. <laughs> it was wrong the moment you started rounding up an ethnic group. Yes. <laughs> Not where you put them. That wasn't no. the problem. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's part of a problem. <laughs> but it's not. It's not stage one of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first bullet point in the list of things what you done wrong. That Tom <laughs> is hypocrisy. <laughs> The camp was a very strange place indeed. Behind the scenes, it was, like all concentration camps, horrific and squalid and people were starved and treated horrifically. But from the outside, it was a lovely place. The main square of the camp had a bandstand and a coffee shop. And when inspectors came round, everyone was given a picnic and ordered to complain that they were being given sardines yet again. Could they have a bit more variety, please? It was... It was all... That genuinely... They had to complain to the Red Cross that they were only ever given sardine sandwiches with their picnics. It was all just a bit too sugar-sweet and a bit colourful and a bit fake, like kind of a Nazi Disneyland. Or, you know, just Disneyland, Disneyland. if Walter got (laughs) in his way. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Teed that up so nicely. All of our listeners came out with a punchline as well, I can guarantee. Everyone at home, (laughs) Disney! (laughs) You can all join in on this one. Uncle Walt. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Good. I'm glad you enjoyed that as much as I did. (laughs) (laughs) So so Vogel was put in charge of the camp band who would play happy bouncy tunes for the inspectors whilst the inmates were ordered (laughs) to dance along. It's just really horrific, (laughs) like psychologically damaging. And because this was the model camp... Some of the best artistic and creative talent in Europe found themselves moved here and were somewhat free to to show off and demonstrate their skills. So it was a really odd situation in which you had this strange artist enclave concentration camp. This included a large number of the world's best jazz musicians, 
somewhat crudely, and the German in me gets a massive headache saying this, the Nazis did kind of have a point in that most of the best jazz musicians in Europe at the time were Jewish. Uh, Jazz borrows a lot from klezmer music after all, so it's got a lot of Eastern European influence. Meanwhile, Tom, you may be surprised to know that the Nazis themselves kind of lacked rhythm. (laughs) More into synth pop, Tom. Not when they goose step in. They are bang (laughs) on it. Well, yeah, Yeah, they're more into synth pop. New order, if you like. Oh, yeah, okay, fair (laughs) enough. Attack Joy Division! (laughs) Send in the Joy Division! (laughs) Radio! Radio Transmission! (laughs) So what makes them so joyful? Well, it's all all the amphetamines. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Pacacet. You know, the Germans were given um, amphetamine-infused chocolate. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, cocaine cocaine was in in Coca-Cola, wasn't it, originally? It was, but that that was in the late 19th century. The Germans pilled up to the eyeballs. Obviously, off their tits. So... So Vogel was put in charge of putting together a band from all of these jazz superstars from around Europe, which he called the Ghetto Swingers. Somewhat awkwardly, whilst he started as the the first trumpet, as the prime trumpet player, he was nowhere near as good as most of these players, and so within a few weeks a vote was held, and he was politely asked to take a few steps back to the third row, and if possible, play quietly. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they were just a bit backwards and he was just play, playing some real out there jazz. Maybe he was. Maybe he was uh, Maybe he was freestyling. Yeah, he was, just, he was just ahead of his time. It was a bit like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Yeah, absolutely. You're not ready for this, but your kids are going to love it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, they did ask him to move back, which is, uh, which is fair enough. When a, when, when a, a bum note could get you killed. This is one I like to call Careless Whisper. That's another ahead uh, of you. That's another chocolate pun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the band were hugely popular with the SS, who would enlist them to, to play regularly. In fact, this band were even forced to provide the soundtrack to a German propaganda film called The Führer Gives the Jews a City. Uh, which, Tom, is not to be confused with Führer in the City, in which Hitler tries to balance his complicated love life and career as a fashion writer in New York, whilst getting the latest gossip over brunch with his gal pals Göring Himmler and Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> also not to be confused with Babe Hitler in the City. <laughs> I've tried my hardest to make this funny. <laughs> You've done very well. You've done very well. Uh, There's something about Hitler. No, well, it's a a good pun name, but it doesn't have city in the title. Oh, sorry. Okay, we've got to get a city film. Okay, okay. Yes. (laughs) So, 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 yeah, they had to provide the soundtrack to to the propaganda film that was being made about them. Again, really horrible. One of the weird features of the band is that no one had been able to hear or get hold of any new music since the war began because jazz had been banned, so publishing jazz music was was very difficult and getting hold of it. So they were still playing the greatest hits of six years previously, not unlike commercial radio stations do today. (laughs) (laughs) So once the inspectors had all gone satisfied that the uh, the Jewish people were living a, a beautiful and happy life full of sardine sandwiches and jazz. <laughs> sounds, sounds fairly hellish to me, but there we go. The, the <laughs> wasn't, band... that the third book, wasn't that the third book in the Shades of Grey trilogy? 
<laughs> sardines. <laughs> 50, 50 tins of sardines. <laughs> what did you say? You said something about sardines. Oh, I don't know. Sardines and jazz. Sardines and jazz. Yeah, I think that was the third book. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> So once the inspectors had all gone and the Germans were, were sure they wouldn't be coming back, <laughs> imagining sardine-related bondage now, it's not nice. So am I, yeah. <laughs> Each their own. <laughs> I like myself a bit of sardine bondage. I say, I shall slap a fishy on your little tushy. I shall slap a fishy on your little tushy. <laughs> Shove it up your arse. <laughs> get here <laughs> <laughs> so once once the inspectors had all gone and the germans were imagine, sure that i'm imagining mr i'm imagining mr bird's eye opening a tin of, tin of sardines and shoving a sardine up someone's ass right now with his yellow mac on and his big beard i'll give you a fish finger lad <laughs> <laughs> oh no safe word is omega three <laughs> Nice. Yes, and for the third time, once the inspectors had all gone and the Germans You'll were sure the they wouldn't be coming back. <laughs> no. <laughs> once the inspectors had all gone and the Germans were sure they wouldn't be coming back, the band were put on a train and sent to Auschwitz. But rather than be killed, they were once again forced to perform for visiting SS. They were starved oh, and made to play from dawn until dusk every day without a break. It sounds unbelievably, unbelievably horrible. <laughs> Most of them didn't last very long under these conditions and the survivors were shipped from camp to camp as travelling entertainers and it was on one of these journeys just a few weeks before the end of the war that Eric managed to break out of his train carriage, roll down an embankment and hide in the woods. Starving and desperate, he waved down a passing car only to find two German officers inside. I mean, what do, no offence, but yeah, but what, what, who does he expect is going to be driving long roads? Quite, I guess. Well, I mean, you've been in a camp for three, four years. Yeah, you probably don't know what's going you on. You don't know yeah. where you are, who you're going to find, yeah. You know the Allies are close, so you, you make a run for it. And so they were two, only to find two German officers inside. Incredibly, instead of arresting him, or, or, or worse, they gave him some of their rations and helped him get to a nearby village to hide until the Americans arrived, which they did a, a couple of days later. And it turns out, in a slightly sad twist of irony, that the Americans who rescued Vogel were also massive jazz fans. So rather than, you know, feed and recuperate him, they took him to the US Officers Club, blindfolded him, right, <laughs> played him records and made him guess the artist, which must have been pretty... Which, well, first off, he managed it. Hey, you know, this is really fun. I'm having a lot of fun here, but I'm really hungry. And, I could do and, with some food. <laughs> and my knees are bleeding really rather badly. Yes. After been rolling, you know, the whole rolling down the hill thing. Yeah. Ironically, the German officers fed me. You. <laughs> <laughs> I have just spent four years as a performing monkey for the SS. <laughs> Will you please turn off the fucking Now's jazz? Now's the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've actually, I've actually had it up to here with jazz. I'll be honest with you. I used to love Would it. Would you mind not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's rootin' tootin'. Don't give a fuck. That's who did this record. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, yes, two or th two or three other members of the band survived as well. And 
almost all of them continued amazingly after all of this to have very successful careers in in jazz performing with some of the great stars Marlena Dietrich and and others Vogel continued in jazz as well moving to the US he eventually died in in 1980 so it's remarkable really that they didn't get put off but actually I guess jazz was was their escape even though they were being forced to play for their lives on a day in day out basis they managed to maintain it as an escape the whole way through so there you go Tom that is, and play their tunes. And play their tunes. That is the Ghetto Swingers, Tom and Eric Vogel. Well, I think we managed to get something funny out of uh, the Holocaust. Achievement unlocked. The be- <laughs> Next level, transatlantic <laughs> slave trade. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be fair, we've done that one because do you remember I made up a musical about, about slavery? You did, you for- wrote a song, didn't you? I did write a song because there was to the tune of uh, "It's Not Time to Make a Change." Yeah. What episode was that? It was it was a musical. Slavery. It was a pro It was slavery, wasn't it? We did Slavery yeah. Week, and it was a pro-slavery musical that was written. Yeah, pro-slavery musical. Yeah, genuinely, someone Otherwise, wrote a pro-slavery musical. Minstrels. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good episode. That was a very good episode. I think we made some very pertinent points in our light-hearted way, Sam. In our own special way, yes. Yeah, I think we did. Um, quite an old one. I'm talking of episodes then, what have mm. we got for next week? I don't think we've got one set up, have we? Okay, well, I, I chose the last two, so I think we should uh, we should let you have this one. Okay. For the patrons, let's do pictures. <laughs> pictures okay. for the patrons. That's going to work really well on an audio-based programme. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could be more inventive than just showing the picture. <laughs> I'm just going to describe uh, this <laughs> painting. painting that I really like. <laughs> that audio paint by numbers in the top <laughs> left quadrant. Okay, so pictures. Uh, oh, talking of top left qu- quadrant. Okay, and for, for the next public episode, let's We're not do doing battles- thighs. If that's no, right. let's do battleships. Battleships. Yeah, as in the game battleships. Or, or just the navy. Uh, well, okay, battleships, the navy. Navies fighting at sea. Okay, boom. I'll take that. Yeah? Yeah. In that case, sorted. Thank you so much for joining us. If you do want to hear the next episode all about pictures, it's uh, going to be available to patrons. So you can go to uh, thatwasgeniuspodcast.com or patreon.com slash thatwasgenius. And for less than the price of a cup of coffee a month, you get a you couple of... pay uh, us. To have a cup of coffee once a month. Instead, yes. <laughs> and you get every other episode, you get songs, you get pictures. It's all lots of fun, lots of good bonus content. And otherwise, we will see you again in two weeks' time for an amazing look at uh, the Navy and battleships. In the meantime, you can get in contact with us at thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com. You can find us on with Twitter, all your Instagram. Robin Hood and chocolate puns. Indeed. You can find us on and or episode suggestions if you like. Yes, that would be nice. We could do some of those. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Search for That Was Genius Podcast on Facebook. That underscore was underscore genius on Twitter and That Was Genius on Instagram. And you can visit thatwasgeniuspodcast.com to see a picture of a man sticking his finger up his bottom. Yeah, a medieval man. Speaking of which, Tom, I think it's time to say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Got something to do. <laughs> oh, have you now? Okay, goodbye and thank you for listening. Captain Bird's Eye's coming <laughs> over. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. <laughs>